Welcome to the School of the Word. This is lesson four in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Being Caught Up. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Well, we do welcome you here. And uh, as we're continuing in this word of As in the Days of Noah, uh, truly, uh, we have to identify that it's easy to see that this is where we are uh, in these days. Last week, I uh, left you with this idea of considering the rapture of the church and how it was a uh, a teaching that's not been taught as much in the last, uh, in some circles, the last 50 years. Um, and I'm under the persuasion that a truth not taught is lost. I also teach it uh, from uh, because there are some different viewpoints. Uh, I teach it as a, this is my viewpoint, but it's a, one of the possibilities of probably three or four different possibilities. And I think that the scriptures lend its most weight to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I wanted to continue in that as uh, we can, uh, this is as in the days of Noah, and it just so happens uh, that is a topic some call it rapture, some call it, uh, the scripture says even uh, catching away, unless you go to the Greek. But I'm going to go into that just a little bit more. Thank you so, so much. Appreciate that. Uh, as we continue, so you can see how the scriptures uh, lend uh, to this idea. Uh, rapture of the church, you could say, to me, that's not an opinion. That's just, we're going to be called away, the Bible says. There's a catching away. And I want to get into more of that. Uh, now we see here that God does not uh, does want you to know about the future. This is uh, two or three slides in the beginning I had last week. As I began the teaching on the rapture of the church, um, I, if you haven't seen last week's, I invite you to, you need to see last week's will help. Uh, in this week's as we're making a little progress. What does God want you to know about the future? He has revealed through the end time prophecy that that we need to know. So we know in these end times, the days of Noah, that this is some things that we need to know. So it says, uh, so as it was in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We see that it is compared there that the coming of the Son of Man will be uh, as in the days of Noah. So the coming of the Son of Man is uh, the coming of Christ. We know we've had a birth coming of Christ. When you got born again, you had a coming of Christ. Uh, and so there's, there's two technical, if you go by prophecy, there's two technical comings of Christ, the first coming, the second coming. But yet we have what we call an allusion unto a coming of Christ into the believer's heart. And then there's other comings of Christ, like in the catching away, Christ comes. He doesn't set foot on the earth, but he's in the clouds. So the coming of Christ uh, takes on uh, several uh, different pictures. Now, here's our job. I don't want us to lose sight of this. Our job is to share God's message of life, hope, and truth to this fallen world. This message does not need to be updated for this modern age. It's already in the form that it needs to be in. Now, in Genesis 
6, 5, this is what is said. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. So we see here that God can be grieved. Not only that, God was grieved in his heart. Now the words of God are timeless and powerful as the day they were first spoken. It says it here. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you can see what happens when God's heart's grieved. Can you say with me, that's not good to grieve God's heart. Uh, it's not good to grieve God's heart. Now, that is a part of God's character that we've got to kind of hang on to. Jesus described the events that will surround his second coming, and he said it in Luke, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat and drank, were married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, what he was saying there in this verse, it says life was going as usual. There wasn't any people who were just living life the next day, and they weren't really looking for it. Now, what I want to hope to accomplish today, there is a position as Christians that we posture ourselves in. And that position has everything to do with what we see. There's more going on in the earth than what we're seeing. There's more going on with Russia and Ukraine than what we're seeing. Okay? And I would love to get into that today, but I cannot. I will restrain, perhaps. There will be a day that the door of the ark is shut. And we saw that in Genesis. We went through that the day that the ark is shut. Genesis 6, 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. So here we got two words, two, two thoughts. God will not always strive with man, and he says something else there, therefore that he is also flesh. He's fleshly. He's, uh, it's just this um, fallen nature. And so God says, I'm not going to always fool with you. He said, I'm going to fool with you, but I'm not always going to fool with you. The reason is you're in a place of flesh. Now, as Christians and as believers, we are looking unto that day that we are no longer flesh. So there's a day we're looking unto, and I want to get into that. Uh, we will know the door is shut when the rapture occurs or the plagues begin. That was a little bit of truth, a little bit of pun, I hope, uh, if we see the, the great Trevor mentioned about this COVID thing that we had, he did not think it was one of the great plagues. I don't, it probably isn't. It's definitely a type of a plague. And we see in scriptures that we have a taste, a foretaste of, of all kinds. We know that COVID's, it's, we have to admit it's ramping up a little bit, right? The diseases and some of these things are getting a little tougher. Uh, and, and so it's, we, it says that we'll see some signs of the times that shows us and gives us this idea uh, that we're getting nearer, closer to, to these uh, great things happening. 
Now, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here we can see God's not appointed us unto the day of wrath. And I want to try to go through here, show a little distinctions. I'm trying to present it in a way that you choose. Is that okay? I've, I've told you up front, I'm a little bent in one area in one way, but there's a reason I'm bent, and I'm, trying, and I'm going to try to show you why I'm bent a little bit. But at the same time, I respect everybody's opinion, and I, and, and I don't want you to believe me. If the Holy Ghost doesn't show you, I don't want you to have it. Okay, so this is an experience between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm up here uh, trying to lead this thing. So he says that we've not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain mercy. So our appointment uh, today is to obtain mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, uh, that's uh, the idea of the message today is we're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're to be about. That's our appointment is to do this thing of preaching uh, the message of, of Jesus Christ. Now, G, uh, it goes on to say this in verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, there's the word called up, uh, together uh, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, what I'm going to show us today is why this is important. It, it's not just about the a rapture of the church. And, and I, if I could, I'd even quit using the word rapture. It's about the catching away of the believers of that time. And it's important that, that we make that distinction. The distinction has to be made because all through, especially Paul's writings, all through his writings, he's referring to this. He, he bounces everything off of this. So when you read the scriptures, you can understand what Paul means because he's always referencing uh, this caught up thing. Now, I'll give you a little teaser here. When we are called up, you'll no longer be called flesh. Are you getting excited yet? Now, so the reason this is important, it's important that we know where we are when we're given these different scriptures and how we approach them, and then we're looking for some type what it's called this great hope. Uh, I felt a little witness of the Holy Ghost right there. Thank you, Lord. I needed a witness there. Um, is the word rapture in your Bible? Now, I went over this a little bit last week. I'm going into it more. So it's, it's, it's harpazo. Uh, it's a translated word called caught up or catch away. Uh, it's used five times out of the 13. It appears in the Bible relating to rapture or the being caught up. So you can say, see here that this Greek word, uh, is uh, harpazo. Now, we go from greed into the Latin Vulgate, and I'm going to get in it in just a second. Uh, Thessalonian believers concerned over their loved ones uh, that had passed. So Paul was preaching this, you're going to have this catching away deal is going to happen. Some of the believers there, they were saying, yeah, but what about mom and dad? They're, they, they've died. Uh, what's going to happen to them? Now, understand something. The apostle Paul was believing that he was going to be caught up. He did. He, Paul is always writing from the standpoint, he believed firmly that he was going to be caught up. And so he's writing from, from, from that mindset. What Paul didn't know was how long suffering was the grace of God going to be. And so, so you can see from the Apostle Paul to now, 2,000 years, you're like, wow, God's grace must be huge. And God's grace is huge by the sheer measurement of 2,000 years. But at the same time, 
it has an end. So that's what we want to be concerned with. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So he's, a, he's, he, he's hitting this problem. Those that are asleep that you sorrow not. He said, don't worry about it. It's okay. Even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them, them, the, the who? Them which are asleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are remaining alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul's thinking, okay, we're going to be here. We're going to be called up, but it's not going to prevent them that are asleep because God's going to raise them. Listen, people have trouble with the rapture of the church. I got trouble with God raising people out of the dirt. Don't you think we got a bigger problem? <laughs> huh? We, we got a bigger problem. Uh, catching away seems easier to me than taking some DNA out of some stuff. And uh, But God's got all that figured out. But yet He's going to do it. So He's going to catch them up. They're going to be caught up. And they were waiting uh, to that day. So He was telling them, don't, don't worry about it. It's all covered. And He was trying to, and He went on to say, comfort each other with these words. Right? It was, there, there was to be a comfort. Uh, well, here it is. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, First Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, with the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I gave you, that, uh, I gave you this description of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ last week. Does everybody remember that? And, and I went through this teaching of this understanding of why I didn't think uh, that the church would go through the tribulation. And if you want to know why, you're going to have to go back and listen to last week's. Now, here we go. Now, rapior, rapimur, it, that's, it comes out of the Latin Vulgate. Now, the Latin Vulgate, which is the translation a lot of ours come out of, I, I can't get into all that, but rapimur is from the Latin future passive meaning, we shall be carried away or we shall be snatched. Now, you can look at the word itself. That's where we get uh, rapture from. Is, is, so people say, well, rapture's not in your Bible. Well, really and truly, rapture's in your Bible uh, more than caught up is. And I've heard it, people say all the time, well, rapture's not in the Bible. I'm like, okay. You know, how, how long are we going to take to go through where, where this word came from? Now, First Thessalonians, this, here it is. If anybody wants to read it at Latin, there, I, I put it up there for you. Uh, just so I could prove my point that it is there, and right there it is. Uh, and here it is in our in our tongue. Then we shall, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up, raptured together with them which is in the clouds to meet uh, them, the Lord in the air, so ever shall be with the Lord. Now, here's where I want us to come to. The catching away or being caught up is going to happen to the church. Now, that's just the way it is. It's in the book. It's there. It's going to happen. And then a lot of people have, you know, then a lot of people say, okay, we're going to, then a lot of people want to mix that being caught, catch, catching away with the second coming. Well, I'm going to show you how that's, it just won't work. It, it, it can't be that. And uh, there again, I want us to understand, and you always got to keep in your mind, the bride of Christ is the bride of Christ, and we're to compare it to the marriage ceremony. He's the bridegroom. We're the bride. And he chose that terminology for a, for a big reason. Now, uh, 
I just threw this in there to try to show you how this thing works in Scripture. You've got seven raptures. Enoch, yeah, he's, he, he took right on out of here. Elijah, he says he was taken. Same, same word, same word. Uh, Jesus, of course. Uh, uh, Philip in Acts, he was here and then he wasn't there. What happened to him? Paul, he says he was called up into third heaven. He was raptured up into, into the third heaven. Uh, I've heard some people make fun of the rapture, saying, well, Paul was raptured, and that was rapture. Well, it, it was, but it doesn't negate the other one. Because there's about seven or eight of them here, you see. I didn't even put, they're not necessarily all in there. And we, then we got the, uh, the body of Christ in First Thessalonians. And then John, of course, in Revelation 4, he says he was taken up. He was, he, he was called up in, into the Spirit. So I just want us to see that this is a spiritual phenomena that's been happening all through Scripture. That's all. And so when it's used here, don't get surprised, oh, this is the only time it's ever happened or whatever. No, it's kind of God's thing. He likes to... I've been snatched by God before, but I didn't, wasn't taken up. Have you? So I'm trying to get on into his definition here. Okay. Uh, why the rapture? Problem... We are saved but in flesh and blood. Now here, I want us to see something. First Corinthians says this. Why the rapture? Now, the rapture is necessary. And the reason that it's necessary because we're flesh. Now, and, and so us, we, us here on this earth, we still got a problem. And that problem is we're flesh and we, we fight it, right? I fight, I fight it daily. It's this, uh, this fleshly carnal nature. It says, and now, uh, try to go with me here. I'm hoping you got to catch what I'm saying by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd come and, and bring revelation to your word. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. So see, here, here we see it is very necessary for us to get out of this flesh thing so we can get into a completion of inheritance of the kingdom of God. Just, just keep that in mind. So the Apostle Paul, when he wrote about the catching away and he thought he was going to experience it, he knew that his kingdom was coming and, it would be in the, and he'd be in the fullness of it. Now keep that in mind. There must be a time and a place of transition. There, this is not as good as it gets, believers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, <laughs> Hallelujah somebody. She's going to get gooder and she's going to get gooder. And, and that's the reason it's important that you see this transition. Uh, a lot of times instead of just saying it's the rapture of the church, call it the transition of the church. And, and it brings us into to more understanding. Now, you got to understand something. Your Bible, is, there's, this is distinctions. I've taught you months ago that in, distinctions are important to see spiritually. You got to make distinctions. You got to say, this is black and that's white. That's, and I, I've already been through the teaching. On, on this day and time, the enemy is trying to blur distinctions. Trying, no, there's not male. Not, well, we kind of got a mixture. No. There's a distinctions between male and female. There's distinctions in, in the world. You can make distinctions. Distinctions is 
what causes you to see reality properly. That's a chair. That's a Pastor Steve. I make a distinction. Just because he's sitting in a chair doesn't make him a chair. There's a distinction made. So you got to understand, making distinctions is necessary to see reality properly. So when the enemy's trying to blur distinctions, he when you blur distinctions, you get nothing but confusion. And that's the reason we go to the Word of God because it's, it makes distinctions in good and evil. Can you, can you imagine mankind today is trying to change those distinctions of good and evil and give it their own definition? I'm going to have to settle down. I'm, I'm beginning to spit like an old, old preacher. Now, he says, I'll show you a mystery. Now, look at this. This is the secret. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery, a secret. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be what? Changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I think that's pretty quick. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. So he's talking about the dead now. She said, don't worry about you. First, Paul said, don't worry about your relatives. They're going to be okay. Now he goes back here. It says, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Change. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on well, if you're going to get on that train, you got to get in the caught-up place. The caught-up place is the place of transition. Are, are, are you with me? So can you see that's important? Now, now, there's even more to it. That's the reason I don't like for people to do away with the caught-up thing. I'm like, well, what? it's the biggie. It. I know there's some people who's, who's made the rapture of the church into something that it's even not. But what I want to talk about is what it is. And, and so it's a, the called up time is a place of transition. Now you can understand why Paul said comfort each other with these words. You see, that, that's the reason he said that. And that's the reason last week I said the bride's not going to go through seven years of beatings and then go to a marriage supper of the Lamb. You can't comfort each other with those words, <laughs> right? There's no comfort there. So he says to comfort each other. But the big deal is that this mortal must put on immortality. Wow. Mortal has time limits. It has a shelf life. Immortality does not. So that being the case, you tell me which is the most real. The more immortality, can you not see it? Immortality is forever. So I got to, it persuades me that the forever is more real than that that's temporal. Just by sheer mathematics. Right? So we're in more of a temporal state, but we're looking unto that day, if we're living here now or if we're in the ground, we're looking for this trans final transition to take place uh, of, of this new body. Now, I'm, 
you're, um, some's going to ask me, say, okay, Alan, what about those that are that did die? Where's their spirit and soul? I, I'm going to cover that one if you'll let me. All right, now look at it here. He says, I show you a mystery, 1 Corinthians. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The reason is you just went from mortal to immortal. That's that transition that's necessary. Not only is it necessary to complete our born-again experience, your born-again experience is not really complete until you're caught up. That's, that's the finishing of it. Now, let's go on just a little more. We must be like Him to see Him. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us get it. It says we got to be like Him to see Him. Must I say more? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Well, another, listen, when we're called up and given immortality or a new body, you're going to see Jesus in the air, but you're going to see Him in a way that you've never seen Him before. You're going to see Him as He really is. Somebody. But it gives us a spiritual dimension. Jesus walked through a wall. You'll be able to walk through a wall. When you get your when you get your when you're caught up and the transition takes place, and the reason you can see him as see, I can't see him as he is now because I still got this element of flesh. Every now and then somebody'll get a little glimpse of him or get him in a dream or we'll get something. But we're not so he gives us this idea. Today we come to church, we study our Bibles, we do all this stuff. The idea is this, to be more like Him. Now, there's a benefit. you got to be more like Him to see more of Him. You get it? Some people say, Alan, I, I want to see more of Jesus. Well, just, just be more like Him. Right? The more like Him you are, the more of Him you're going to see. For we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Him. Now, is that going to be a time of caught up in a transition into a new body? Yes, it is. But that of the Spirit is already operating. We're waiting for the physical to change. But in the Spirit, 2 Peter chapter 1, if we take on this divine nature or the nature of Christ, now listen. It says in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, if we take on the divine nature, which the divine nature is the nature you're going to have in heaven. So if we start taking on the nature we're going to have in heaven now, it says there's this big entrance opened up into the kingdom of God. 
So it takes a nature to get into the kingdom, to see into the kingdom of God. And so if we take on that divine nature, and so the more we're like Jesus, the more we're going to see Jesus. So I'm persuaded Jesus doing more now on the earth than I'm seeing. Anybody with me? What is limiting me in my seeing? Me being like Him. Being like Him, dying to the flesh that Christ might live, gives you the spiritual eyes to see what God is doing behind the scenes. It's the prophetic character. You got to have the character to go with the prophetic. It's prophetic character. The more we're like Christ, the more we're going to see what God's doing on this earth. Now, there's going to be a time that when I'm called up that I'm going to get this new body that can walk through walls and I'm going to see Jesus in His fullness like He is. I think I said a few weeks ago that I think they claimed that, I don't know, what, what percentage did they claim of the brain we're using, 20% or something? I mean, I don't know. How could you measure it? I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're using 20, I think I'm using five. I'll tell you that. Cause, but I am looking forward to operating out of 100% of my brain. And you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I can, with the way God's created me, I can see more in the spirit than my intellect can keep up with. It's so, it's so disturbing to me. I mean, Russia and, and, and Ukraine, and I can, I can see stuff in the spirit, but my intellect will not allow me to go to get the information that I, I can't, I can get there, but I have to struggle. Everything that I learn, it's like a hammer beating a rock. It just doesn't come, I have to beat it out. Now, if I get it, I got it, but it comes with a lot of hard work. And I'd like to be, but there's going to be a day that I'm going to have 100% of that brain power. That's right. Glory, hallelujah. There's going to be a day that I'm going to be 100% spirit and 100% brain and intellect. And the and, uh, only thing I can tell you is Dell computers need to back up when I walk out there. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, going to be, not, I'm going to be changed as he is. <laughs> Somebody not excited over that? I'm going, to be, I'm going to be like Him. And so therefore, I'm going to be able to see Him as He really is. We hadn't really got to see Him as He really is. Can, can anybody see that? And so Paul was saying, boy, I can't wait till that day. Because he understood that we had to go through this transition uh, at, the, at the catching away. Now, we must be like Him to see Him, 2 Corinthians. For we know that if our earthly house, and that's the word's tent, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building, which is the definition is a permanent dwelling, of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from from heaven. Now, once you start seeing the catching away is important, you start understanding all this stuff Paul's writing about. He, you see, he's talking about that day. So now he's referring to that day, and he's saying, for we know that in our earthly house, he's referring to the catching away time when the transition takes place. We're in an earthly tent. A tent is something that usually doesn't last very long. 
uh, for, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building or a permanent dwelling. And I've taught you, I think, last week that Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you. <laughs> I hope you're getting it. A permanent dwelling of God. That's, that's your transition into your immortality. That's your new body. Of God, a house uh, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, Jesus went away. And I gave you the comparison last week that Jesus is the groom and he's went away to prepare the room for the marriage and all that, yada, yada. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So he's referring back to that. He's referring to the catching away. He said he just can't wait till that day that he's clothed upon in this new dwelling, which is, which is a permanent dwelling, not this tent, but just this, this permanent dwelling. As you start seeing this, you can then understand when Paul's referring, he refers to it all the time. I had one guy say, well, I'll never rapture in the church, don't speak about it but one place. And I'm like, oh my gosh, have you read your Bible? <laughs> Don't call it rapture. Call it transition time. I don't care. It, it, it's, 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 it's what we're to be excited about of this, of this great transition. And, and he's asking us to prepare ourselves. Get your mind ready. Get your mind like Christ. Take on the mind of Christ. Why does he say take on the mind of Christ? You need to take on the mind of Christ so you can put it in that new body of Christ. Are you, are you with me? And so we've already started on it. And it just so happens that the prophetic benefit is the more that we're like him, the more of him we're going to see him doing. And, and I know the devil's doing a lot of stuff, but my land, Jesus is doing more. And, and my disappointment is I can see what the devil does more than I can Jesus. It makes you disappointed. Now, I'm not acting like it's not there, but if I get sad about what's going on, it, I know the truth. I just can't see. I'm not enough like him so I can see what he's doing. Every now and then I get a little, a little glimpse or I throw a rock in the water and hit it every now and then. I mean, that, that's just the truth. Now, so, so keep going here. The house, the Greek word, there it is, occurs twice in the Bible. And I want you to see, just consider something. Only other place is in Jude 6. Now, now let's take a little... A gander here. We must be like him to see him. Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of that, uh, of that day. All right, here. Now, Jude, habitation and first estate, that's the same word as house. So you got to understand these angels, they. They took off what we're looking to get. Now that's the S word. Stupid. <laughs> I've said it real quick. That's why it's what that's stupid. They took off what we can't wait to get. So when they took it off. They were still spirit, but they couldn't enter in, back in. So then you got all these spirits out here. So it's true that you can be spirit without the cloth of this eternal cloak. Okay, you see it right there. And I'm just this is what happened to the fallen angels and yada yada. This is 
Here, here's what happened. So uh, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. You say, well, that's a little harsh. Can you imagine... What audacity and pride you would have to have to take off your eternal cloak because you thought you were smarter than that. Their big mistake was they thought it was their cloak. It wasn't theirs to put on or take off, but you can take it off. Here's what the first estate, this Greek word is here, uh, arche or principality, magistry of angels and uh, demons. That's what the first estate that's what that word uh, right there means. Habitation is a Greek word. There it is. I can't say it. Or dwelling. So what happened was they took it off. They laid it down and they took off to earth. We know that they came in the form of, of Nephilim. We know that these uh, slept with the daughters of men. And then that's in the, uh, in, the days of, in the days of Noah. So Jude, Paul, they're referring. See... Here they're referring back to in the days of Noah. So in their minds, this is all something we got to be looking for. They said they took it off, but we're looking forward to putting it on. So this is a spiritual, uh, spiritual state here. They gave up or disrobed what we are looking forward to at the rapture. Now that that vehicle or that robe, this uh, this flesh that we have on is good just for planet Earth. And uh, that's if you're not underwater too long. And, but the one we're, that, that we're coming into, is, it, it can move through the space of spirit. I hate to say this, but it can move through dimensions. You see, you see when, Je when Jesus had on that, uh, on that robe, that cloak, he could walk through that wall which that wall is a dimension, right? That's a, that's a dimension. Well, Jesus, I don't know, they just say there's 10 or 11 dimensions, they think, to be full spirit. So what they're saying is, I mean, we see, you know, this book is two-dimensional or a set of house plans. That's, that's two-dimensional. When you build it, we're looking at a three-dimensional thing that's on a two-dimensional two thing. So when he says, we're going to see Jesus as he is, that means you're going to see, if he's in 11 dimensions, you're going to be able to see 11-dimensional. You're, you're going to be able to see him clothed in this new cloak because you're going to have it. Do y'all have any idea what we're to comfort each other with here? We're going to be so equipped to rule and reign with him we're going to feel like we're in kindergarten down here, right? Because when this thing happens and all of a sudden we can see all of these dimensions, and so let's talk about dimensions. Well, what's dimensional, Alan? Well, I mean, I, dimensionally speaking, I'm not sure how far heaven is. Uh, this host is probably looking at us right now in, in another, another dimension, and I'm not going there. Okay, let's move on. We must be like him to see him, 2 Corinthians, for we know that if our earthly house is this tabernacle is dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in them we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our houses from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, uh, we, we shall not be found naked. So here he's referring, another thought here, of being found naked. 
So as these angelic beings took off their cloak, the Scripture would refer that they're naked. The fall of man, he discovered he was what? Keep that in mind. Be, the, being clothed, we shall be found naked. Now, found naked. When we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord, but we are still waiting for this new body. So when you die, you'll lose this cloak. Your spirit's going to go be with the Lord. But the Scripture says we're naked until that day. Now watch this. Your new body, you got to be clothed upon with this new body. Now the bride prepares for the imminent return of the groom. Uh, imminent, mean, and that's not, there's about three different words there it sounds alike, but this, I think I got the definition. Imminent means nothing needs to proceed as coming. In other words, in the marriage, the groom went home with the father, built a room. The, the bride didn't know when he was coming. He didn't come till he had the room prepared. But you got to understand this. Nothing else had to happen for the groom to go get his bride. So I have people today say, well, Alan, this has got to happen, this has got to happen, this has got to happen. Uh, before the rapture of the church, I'm like, uh, not according to my Bible. There's nothing standing in the way of the groom coming after his bride. Imminent means nothing needs to precede his coming. That is compared to the groom and the bride. Believers were taught to expect the Savior from heaven at any moment. Philippians 3.20 says this, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul says that, you now know what he's referring to. He's referring to this expectancy that the groom's coming. Expectancy of the groom coming. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything that Paul does in his writings, he's referring to the being caught up. He says, look into that day. Now, there's something in being postured, I said earlier, in being ready for the day. There's a place of expectancy. Let me hurry. Can I have five minutes, Pastor? Okay. Believers were taught to expect the Savior from heaven at any moment. That's what Paul taught them. You expect this return in the air of the Savior can be any time. The groom can come after his bride. We don't know when. But we know that it's imminent. It could be today. Now, when you believe that, when you believe that in its fullness, it sets a pace of your spiritual heart. Hebrews 9, 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We're supposed to be looking for that, First Thessalonians, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. See, Paul knew that. He said, look up. 
The next thing to happen is the groom comes for the bride. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, I've got to show you a spiritual positioning here for a stop. Expectancy is a spiritual key that unlocks. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Paul was telling them to look unto that, but the reason is it set their spirit, it unlocks portals. It unlocks the spirit world. If we come in here and we have great expectancy of a movement of the Holy Ghost of God, guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen. Expectancy is what Paul was training and teaching the people of the church to, that's the mode we're in. I'm not to come in here and complain about Putin and his pooter. I'm to come in here, I can see all this happening, and I talk about it. And I get carried away sometimes talking about it. But my expectancy in here today is a key that unlocks the spiritual world. If we come in here and say, okay, God, touch me if you can. What is that expectancy? God, touch me if you can. The question is, we got to ask ourselves a question. Do we really believe that the bridegroom is coming after the bride? Do we believe that or not? Well, if we have that expectancy, things will happen before your eyes. And you will see Jesus as he is. I promise us that that's the truth of the word of God. All right, I'm going to pick up at expectancy if you're interested next week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you, oh God, for this day that you've given us. Lord, I pray that I've been truthful with your word and I've handled it correctly. Lord, if I've not, I pray it'll fall. If I have, I pray that it'll be quickened to our hearts that we might be these Christians, that our expectancy for your return, our expectancy of your miracle power could be such in our midst that you'd scare us and make us happy at the same time, that you'd fill us and empty us at the same time, that we might see your spirit turn this place and this town and this county upside down because there's a bunch of believers down there at New Life that they're expecting God to do something. Be with us, O God, as our prayer. Be with us in the worship. Be with us as our pastor. Or I think Ed's coming as we're doing this life groups. And I pray, O God, that the Holy Ghost fall on the life groups. We can say that this is not a spiritual time, but Lord Jesus, I pray that these life groups will be a spiritual time, that the Holy Ghost will fall on it, and that you'll just, just wind our clock, God, is my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.